baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. It's Beamaz and Beamer. News Radio 930 WBEN. Welcome into Beamaz and Beamer here on WBEN. Uh, show a lot to get to and uh, even more show for you today because Joe's back uh, sitting right next to me. Good to be back, Brian. Missed you yesterday. Right back into it. I missed you too. I heard. Really did. I know. I, know. <laughs> I had a lot to say. <laughs> Touching I, moments over. I had a lot to say about James Taylor, but you know what? We'll save that for later. James Taylor, by the way, before we get to our special guest, James Taylor, um, somebody on our Volkswagen Vorch Park text board referred to in talking about the concert is referring to James Taylor as JT. That's right. Might be the first time ever in history. <laughs> James Taylor is JT. I know Justin Timberlake's been called JT. Yes. Has James Taylor ever, like, has there been a roadie, you know, hey, JT? No? Not in my, not I don't in my think understanding. So. No. I don't think so. I was a little confused reading that. But anyways, um, we'll save that for a little bit later on because first we have our very special guest, Dr. Amesh Adalja uh, from Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health, uh, infectious disease expert, joining us live to kind of help us sort through a lot of the confusion around the announcement yesterday and what a lot of the talk has been over the course of the past week regarding booster shots for all Americans, well, right now just for the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines, starting this upcoming September. Dr. Adalja, thanks once again for being on with us. Now, I'm sure you can understand the confusion, right, where uh, we're told that the vaccines are greatly effective, they're effective against Delta, they're doing their job, and by the way, you might need more because I don't know if it's going to hold up. I, I mean, what, how do we kind of grapple with that in our mind? It's it's hard for even me to grapple with because it, it's not something that was really uh, planned to occur. It was something that was unanticipated, and many of us have not seen any clinical data to justify this eight-month window because what we know is exactly what you said, that the vaccines are holding up really well when it comes to what matters, serious disease, hospitalization, and death. And that that has to be the metric, and that's the metric that we were told. What these third doses are going to accomplish, I think, is, is marginal at best. It's likely to prevent some of these vac- some of these infections that occur in, in, in vaccinated people from from maybe not occurring or from maybe maybe even more mild than they are. But I don't think we should be in the business of trying to stop what are the equivalent of common colds in vaccinated people, because the the issue here is getting first and second doses into people's arms. That's how we solve this pandemic, not third doses into people who are already very well protected. When you see stuff like this coming out of uh, people, you know, people in power, uh, do you does it send a message to you that there are people out there that think the goal should be getting rid of COVID cases altogether? I I do think that COVID zero thinking does creep into people's minds, especially policymakers. They somehow think 2019 is uh, 2021 or or post-pandemic world is going to be like 2019. And that's just as magical as when Donald Trump said the the vaccine, the virus is just going to magically disappear. It's not going to go back into bats. We're going to be dealing with COVID-19 10 years from now. But the difference will be that we'll have 
so much immunity in high-risk populations that it will never be able to cause the rate of serious illness, hospitalization, and death that it could in the past or that it can do now in certain southern states. And, and I also think it's, it's foolish even if you look at the data because we, we're not getting anywhere really with certain vaccine-hesitant populations in, those, in the South they're always going to be spreading this infection. So I don't think that putting third doses into people in Vermont, for example, which is one of the high, most highly vaccinated states, really changes the trajectory of the pandemic or gets us closer to controlling it than it would be to get first doses into people in Mississippi. Yeah, yesterday, I was thinking about this, that uh, you know, early surveys that were done when the ver- vaccine was first uh, readily available to just about anybody, and uh, they were talking to people who were not getting the vaccine, not lining up, you know, not among those in the initial rush. And that talk of booster shots was one of the things that was a little bit of a turnoff. And now this is back, you know, six months ago or so. But, you know, from that public health perspective, if we do want to take that big, um, you know, look over everything, the thousand yard view, which is what you would assume that. Uh, the CDC and, you know, some of these other health authorities that are monitoring the situation would be doing. I mean, if your main goal, you know, the priority number one is to get vaccines to people who have not gotten vaccines, which by this point is a choice, you know, of those people that we were just uh, mentioning. Aren't we making that harder by saying that, hey, you know, you're going to need even more shots down the line? Definitely. If if people have been vaccine hesitant to get a one or two dose regimen of vaccines, and now you're telling them that it's going to be more, and they've been skeptical of the vaccine to begin with, and now they're all of a sudden hearing that they need to get a booster vaccine eight weeks after getting two doses, or eight months after getting two doses, that makes them think, well, you know, if the vaccine is so great, why? I've never had to get a booster within eight, eight months for any other vaccine. What's different about this? So I, I do think that there are going to be questions raised, and it's going to be hard to dig out of that hole because I, I think that people are setting the wrong expectation of vaccines. Vaccines are not bug zappers. They're not force fields. Vaccines are meant to make any infection you get post-vaccination very mild, something that you can deal with, something that's medically inconsequential. That's the standard to use for vaccines. And, and that's where vaccines are performing off the charts. If you go through hospitals, the majority of people that are hospitalized are going to be those who are unvaccinated. It's no coincidence that that the eight states that represent 51% of our hospitalizations are places where vaccination lags. It's a causal relationship. And I think we've, we've not been able to really tell people that the vaccine's goal is not to eradicate or eliminate a virus that can't be eradicated or eliminated, but I, tame it. So, sorry to interrupt you, but, you know, kind of to the, the points that you've been making about, um, you know, when, when we're talking about the uh, talk around a vaccine, was it maybe oversold at the beginning to where, you know, this, the only way I can really see this right now is maybe strengthening uh, the doubters on any of these vaccines, because we were told for so long, these are the best vaccines ever created. You know, the numbers that were flowed around before initial approval, some of them were, you know, 100% effective. And, you know, we have short memories, but not that short, you know, to a few months later say, well, now everyone needs a booster. I mean, that runs right in the face of all those claims. But it is true that these are some of the best vaccines that humans have ever created. 
And it's important to remember that efficacy numbers in a clinical trial are going to be very different than real-world characteristics, especially when you look at the Moderna and Pfizer trials, because they were done at a time when there were lockdowns, when people were all wearing masks. So your rate of exposure, when you're, whether you were vaccinated or not vaccinated, was lower. And we had different types of the virus at that, at that time. Around that time, there was very little even alpha variant at that point. So I think that these are extraordinary vaccines. They do exactly what they're designed to do, keep people out of the hospital. But, but I, somehow this, this idea that these are force fields and that they have 100% efficacy against mild illness, against asymptomatic illness, that's somehow been used against, that, that's somehow been kind of twisted to somehow undermine the vaccines. And, and I think that the vaccines are, are doing really, really well. It's just that people don't quite understand immunology. They don't quite understand how a vaccine works. But I do think that this talk about boosters in eight months without in the absence of data that people are that are getting fully vaccinated are getting infections that land them in the hospital to a high degree. That really doesn't make sense. And I do think it's going to make the vaccine hesitant, even more vaccine hesitant, basically pointing and saying, see, I told you so when that's not the case. And I think it really is another communications failure. Uh, And this one came from from the White House. This wasn't something driven by CDC or FDA, although the CDC director was present. This is something that has happened before we've actually seen the science or clinical data before the outside panels of the CDC have actually evaluated this data. And that's why you're seeing pushback from many people in my field that this was not a scientifically driven decision. You know, with, with all that said, looking into the future, looking one or two years uh, now for those who are vaccinated, will there come a time when a booster would be necessary uh, when we see the efficacy of hospitalizations or against fatal cases start to drop? Yes, I do think that it's it's reasonable to believe that there will be a point when people need booster vaccines because there's actually clinical data showing that there has been some erosion of effect. And I can't kind of telegraph when that might be. Will it be 18 months? Will it be two years? Who knows exactly when it will be until you do the natural history studies and follow people to say, is there waning of, uh, is there waning of immunity against serious disease occurring? And would a booster actually be the solution to that? And there are also at the same time going to be other advances. There's going to be second generation vaccines that, that, are, that are being developed. There's going to be probably oral antivirals. So I think we, we can't really know exactly what the future is going to hold because so many different variables will play a role in the need for a booster. But the primary point that I'm trying to make is it has to be driven by clinical data to show that it's needed. Just like when they, when they modified the primary series for immunosuppressed people, when they said they need three doses, not two doses, if you've had an organ transplant, that was based on clinical data. They showed hospitalization rates for people with immunosuppression. They showed the risk of hospitalization in, in transplant patients. They showed transplant patients didn't make antibodies that well. And when you gave a third dose, they made antibodies. So there was an integrated view of why that was necessary. And it was necessary. But the, none of that is present with this decision. I, I was thinking this, um, you know, this week when it came to the booster and, you know, more and more, every time I hear about a breakthrough case that isn't really serious, but gets a lot of attention, right? You know, oh, I'm asymptomatic. Um, uh, You know, maybe the governor of Texas would be kind of along these lines. But are we, you know, trying to boost our way out of or, you know, restrict our way out of the common cold now? I mean, if the vaccine right now is keeping people out of the hospital, keeping them out of the grave, right? Is that really the goal of this? And is that sustainable or smart to do? I think it's very, it has very low utility to boost people out of getting the common cold. 
if you're fully vaccinated and what you're trying to prevent is the common cold, I think that that may be something that you know your your risk tolerance may be very low, and that may be something that you might want to think about on a personal level. But to use that as kind of official government, official public health policy that this is what we're going to do doesn't really make sense to me. And I think it distracts from the fact that that there is a swath of the United States where they can't even get first doses into people, and and that's the issue. I don't think that. Like I said, I don't think that getting more people vaccinated in some of these northeastern states is really going to change the trajectory of the pandemic in this country, let alone the world. I think it's first and second doses that do all the work here. Third doses are, are kind of really, really marginal. And, and it makes I think this, this the whole discussion is not going to distract away from the fact that about half the country is not vaccinated. We've got major problems with hospital capacity in places like Mississippi. And I think that this third dose stuff is just really good now it's going to suck all the air out of the the, the COVID-19 news and we really aren't going to focus on what matters and, and that's protecting high-risk people in in places uh in the south where they're building tents outside of hospitals asking for healthcare workers to come from other states transferring patients out of state that's the issue here and that's not because of a failure of, of the vaccine it's a failure to vaccinate We're also talking about keeping vaccines out of other parts of the world where it's been difficult to get a vaccine. And Dr. Dalja, don't we see a lot of these variants obviously coming from other parts of the world, not the United States? They're coming from other parts where they're not vaccinated, correct? We we do see variants anywhere the virus is transmitting. And there have been some homegrown variants like the New York and California variants, which I can't remember their their Greek letter alphabet numbers. But yes, the more the virus transmits between people, wherever it might be, whether it's in whether it's in uh, Texas or whether it's in uh, Tanzania or wherever it might be, is going to generate more variants. So the, the goal really has to be to tame this virus worldwide, to decrease its transmission worldwide, and that's going to be by getting first and second doses into people all around the world. That's how we, as a, as a, as a planet, move away from this pandemic, because otherwise you're still going to have major disruptions, major dif- difficulties with trade and with travel, and we're going to constantly be vigilant for, for new variants that might emerge in some place where there is widespread transmission. Uh, again, third doses aren't going to solve any of that. You know, trade, travel, and our return to normal life. Uh, do you have a concern at all about what this could do to just the uh, that generally and the general, you know, uh, I guess attitudes we have whether it's toward vaccination or a return to normal life or, or something like that. I'm already hearing it, Dr. Adalja, where you have people who may have had COVID in the past, you know, also got vaccinated. And, and now you're hearing this news upon news that in New York City, basically to do anything, you're going to have to be vaccinated. You know, many concerts that are coming around here, there's a proof of vaccination um, to where a lot of people are now saying, you know, wait a second, I, I have natural immunity. I believe in my natural immunity, but I got vaccinated anyway. And now you're telling me I need to get vaccinated again, uh, where, you know, I know there are a lot of people who might say, okay, sign me up, but there might be a lot more who says, you know what, I, I'm good. I'm good with this. And now what exactly is the point from here on out? I mean, are you worried about the tension at all that might come from this announcement? I do think there's going to be a lot of acrimony over this because, again, if you're fully protected against what matters, serious disease, hospitalization, and death, then I don't necessarily think that you're, you're uh, going to really benefit from getting these, va- these vaccines or at least be being, making it an official recommendation that you have to, to have these vaccines. And then does that mean that you're not considered fully vaccinated anymore if your eight months has lapsed? Or does that mean 
that if you're in a business and, and you're being you're checking vaccine cards, you've got to make sure the person has all their boosters or that they're not immunosuppressed, that they may, they make sure that they got three doses instead of two doses. I, I think that gets a little bit difficult to to um, administer. And I think it's one thing for a business to say, we don't want people who are not vaccinated. We don't want to serve those people because they're too much of a risk to our workplace and we don't want to spread at our place. That's one thing. But when it gets to these, when you're getting to, have you gotten your booster? Have you done this? Have you done that? Then it becomes a lot much more, much more difficult. I think the goal still, we, we have to just back up and say, what are we trying to achieve here? And, and again, it's, it's about flattening the curve, removing the ability of the virus to put hospitals into crisis, into, into a, into a crisis. And that's achieved by first and second doses. And I think that's what really should guide public health, uh, public health here. And I, and I think that we're running into a wall and I think you're going to still have this sliver or this swath of the U.S. that doesn't get vaccinated and we're going to continue to boost another part of the part of the country. And we're going to basically continue to have this two track pandemic where you have certain parts of the country where they're just as low vaccination rates and, and COVID is a disruptive force and other parts where where it's not. But I don't know that you're gaining much value by preventing what is equivalent to the common cold in most people who are fully vaccinated at the expense of undermining people's confidence in the vaccine and uh, really having a major messaging problem again. Dr. Dalja, you know, looking at the uh, the numbers around the country, looking at the efficacy of the vaccine as we've been talking about, I want to know your opinion and what you think of in 2021, uh, events getting canceled, you know, things kind of going back, not fully back to where they were in 2020, but hearing of certain events and certain concerts getting uh, canceled because of the Delta variant. Do you think these are necessary moves? It all depends upon what the, the venue is. So it depends upon where you are in the country, <clears throat> how widespread it, things are, what your hospitals look like, and what are you doing at your venue in order to decrease transmission. If you're a venue that's basically saying we're only having fully vaccinated individuals here, that, that's a very, I think, relatively safe thing to do. You have to remember that there's going to be Delta variant five years from now. And I think the, you, you have to come up with a sustainable plan to be able to go about your life in the midst of this virus that's not going to magically go back into bats. So, so I don't necessarily think you need to cancel things, but you need to think about, am I having a large group of people that are unvaccinated here? What do the hospitals look like? Is this, is this event happening in Austin, Texas, or is this event happening in uh, Burlington, Vermont? That, that, that all is going to play a role in how you think about what you need to do at these events. And I think we've got to get people to learn how to risk calculate. And that's something that got stunted because so much of this pandemic has been about abstinence. Don't do this. Never do this. You can't do this. It can't make it safe. And not teaching people how to reduce the harm the virus does by giving them tools to risk calculate to say, okay, this is an outside concert. You, we can require vaccines. You can do this. You can have rapid tests on site for people who are not vaccinated or something of that of that sort. That type of thing is how you reduce risk and how you do these types of events rather than I think summarily canceling them. And I think that's a, that's a role where public health can help people do things safely. And that's something that they haven't been able to do throughout this pandemic because they've been stretched dealing with other tasks and because the official messaging had always been abstinence only. Uh, and we know how bad abstinence only fails with sexually transmitted infections and HIV. And it failed again. It failed with COVID-19 just as well. Dr. Adalja, we always appreciate the time. I know you're a super busy guy. Uh, so thank you for coming on. Dr. Amesha Adalja, Johns Hopkins University, joining us for the first part of the program here on BMAS and Beamer. We'll be right back after this on WBEN. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. 
the biggest sports radio stations in the country, providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives, streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. It's Beamaz and Beamer. Now, Brian Mazarowski and Joe Beamer. News Radio 930 WBEN. You know, I should have been bumping with this yesterday, Jim, had I thought about it. Kids aren't all right. Um, right? We were talking a lot about schools yesterday. And I, uh, you know, uh, by the way, if you missed Dr. Amesha Dalsha, Johns Hopkins University, he joined us for the first half of the show. Uh, check that out when the show goes up live in the podcast tab at WBEN.com and the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcast, just search for BMAS and Beamer. Uh, but, you know, on schools, Yesterday, I I could not um, believe it when somebody tipped me off to go look at the uh, what was happening in the school board meeting because not a week, maybe it has been a week. I'm losing track of time. Time throughout just, the entire. Yeah. <laughs> maybe it's been a couple weeks. Maybe it's been less than a week. But uh, regardless, just a few days in the first public school board meeting. How about that? Since the investigative post story about Kreiner Cash and his whereabouts. Um, the mask that he chose to wear yesterday was – I was taken aback. And I actually asked uh, earlier this morning, we asked school board member Larry Scott about this, where he was, um, you know, not – I don't want to say evasive, but not giving the solid answer on where exactly the superintendent of Buffalo Schools <laughs> has been uh, throughout the entire last year and a half – the investigative post saying he spends much more time as permanent residence is more Martha's Vineyard and in uh, Maryland um, than it is here in Buffalo, where it's obligated to be from his contract. And there has been a lot of question as to where he spends his time. And that was the subject of that re- uh, report just a week ago, a week or so ago, and a lot of speculation after that. So what happened yesterday? <laughs> and he, he shows up. So you know that there is this talk out there. You know that there are people criticizing you for not being present and spending all of your time in Martha's Vineyard and not in Buffalo. So you go to a public school board meeting, and what does Superintendent Kreiner Cash have on his face? A mask <laughs> that says Oak Bluffs in big letters. Oak Bluffs, if you don't know, is a, a well-known community, a part of Martha's Vineyard. <laughs> so I, I, I was like, is this just like, I, I, I mean, is it just being stupid? Or if it's not, I, again, just like the answer he gave with, where do you live? I am ubiquitous. I live <laughs> everywhere, right? Or just like that, is this the greatest troll ever? And I actually like the move of, uh, you know, him just coming out and not saying, but showing, well, yes, I do have a home in Oak Bluffs. I do spend all my time uh, not here and over there. Yeah, not here in Buffalo. I could not believe that. You could see the photo for yourself, by the way, right at the top of WBEN.com, the big OB, Oak Bluffs. So we asked uh, Larry Scott about that earlier, and uh, he said, well, I don't really know what you're talking about and haven't noticed. First thing I noticed. <laughs> First thing I know, you look at his face, Oak Bluffs. 
<laughs> oh, wow. You spent a lot of time in Martha's Vineyard? No, actually, I'm the superintendent of Buffalo Schools who uh, spends all his time in Martha's Vineyard. I just thought it was interesting that Larry Scott's answer was, well, you know, we were all isolated last uh, last summer. To, to imply that, yeah, we all went to our vacation homes in Martha's Vineyard. By the way, how do you become the superintendent? I think that's a job I'd like. $275,000 a year to be the superintendent of Buffalo Public Schools? I'd be living in Oak Bluffs, too. <laughs> yeah, I just, I mean, that was uh, the, the mask jumping out. So I don't know if that was a little bit of trolling, or I don't know if that was just, uh, I, I don't know, playing into that report. But. See, you say you like the trolling. I'm not sure. I, 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 don't, I think the trolling works against them. I respect, I mean, it, it's just my personality. I right. like the heels, the bad guys in wrestling. I like, you know, just the, the people who irk people. You know, I'm not saying it's good, but if you're leaning into uh, the criticism a little bit, that's, um, you know, I, I'm always a sucker for that, just a tiny bit myself, right? Yeah. You know, yesterday you talked uh, you talked about schools. I talked about schools a little bit, um, talking about by December. And I want to know if you agree with me. I, I, just the way things are going, and I hope it changes. I hope I'm wrong. But I think by December, a percentage of Western New York students will be learning virtually again. Oh, I certainly hope. I, I don't think so. I, I think I hope parents, I'm wrong. parents have seen enough to know. And right. we've heard enough to know from doctors from everybody it's just that, the language i'm hearing you know i'm i hope i'm wrong it's just the language i'm hearing the things you see every day what we talked about in the first segment you that's all you you have to tune some stuff out i mean there there is a point where i i mean we just have to collectively know i'll give you an example i ron DeSantis. yes i i cannot take any stories mentioning Ron DeSantis seriously? I mean, that those two words put together are a total tune-out to me. And that, by the way, is that's a positive story about him or a negative story right. about him. I, that, I mean, he has just been such a flashpoint of either this overwhelming praise or negativity. That, And when you have one or the other, you know something's up, right? Look at the governor, um, uh, Governor Cuomo, right, um, a year ago <laughs> at this time. And as we uh, just, I have a page up on my uh, browser here, the media's role in the Cuomo myth from the Columbia Journalism Review of just kind of looking at that. that. And I mean, the same thing can be said about any number of topic. If you're so one-sided on one thing, something is going on there, right? So DeSantis is now under fire. If you've missed, you know, any cable news or any, I mean, it's been everywhere over the last few uh, week, basically. Um, he, for he is a tie to some donor re, uh, involved in Regeneron, right? right? And that's right. one of the uh, treatments that you can give to people with COVID to you know help them either stay out of the hospital or, or you know uh, have a better outcome. And it's one of really a very few treatments that have been approved and uh, is being given out there that's not the vaccine, which doesn't right. help you, you know, by the point you'd be talking about Regeneron. So people are saying he shouldn't be pushing the drug and advertising it the way he should, which is, you know, why? Right. Uh, they're saying he's doing that instead of vaccines, which he is also showcasing the benefits of vaccines. Right. Uh, he's been doing both. He <laughs> he's, I've seen a million pictures of the guy next to people getting the vaccine. Right. I mean, <laughs> and if he said nothing about Regeneron, I mean, this is where, you're, you know, your point, if he had said nothing about Regeneron, 
then, oh, why isn't he talking about for the people that are in the hospital? He's got this high hospital rate. He should be talking about the therapeutics that could be given in the hospital. It's a lose-lose. When, when you are, as you said, when you are the topic of discussion and you have people so far one way, so far the other way, that's what you're going to get. And you're right. Every story is either he's the greatest governor in America or, oh, my God, he's killing people in Florida. It, it, no, it's, it's crazy, which, by the way, you know, the vaccine for Florida, the last I looked at was what they're 20 per capita vaccinated. That's upper half. Less, so it, right. we, there's 25 you, states. You can't say there's uh, there's 50 states. 25 oh half. Oh my Joe. gosh. It's early, Brian. This is why I have you on the show. You make me look good. 25, sometimes. yeah, 25. <laughs> that's the point I was trying to make. Oh but my floor, gosh. That's up, so you can't say that they're in the Good bottom half. The you show, can't say that right they're out. one of the last. Yeah, edit that part out. <laughs> but no, he's he's talking about a drug that's going to help people who are having negative effects. People, by the way, both vaccinated and unvaccinated, right? They give this to vaccinated people too if you do have, you know, one of these so-called breakthrough cases. Right. And now all the time it's a scandal. I I will not understand. And I've seen it again and again. So now he's become kind of a, a tune out. Meanwhile, you know, the last time we heard from our governor, he was trying to convince people that he's not a sexual predator. That's right. Which, I, I you know, sorry. <laughs> Just we're way past that right now. But, you know, we're concerned about people talking about a potentially life-saving treatment because, you know, somebody connected some dots that has really no impact on, you know, what the the end result is, which right. is trying to help people in any way they can, whether it's through a vaccination, whether it's through a treatment at a hospital. I And that's all of a sudden all over the place. I mean, you try and connect dots between Dr. Fauci and work being done in the Wuhan lab, and you're banned from social media. Yet all I've seen everywhere is just crazy. And like I said, it, negative or positive stories, and that's another one, it's a total tune-out, right? For me, I, I mean, there are just some things that I have definitely learned over the course of the last in, in my search for good information <laughs> in the course of the last year. Uh, and I like to think that I've kind of learned along the way of what you can and can't pay attention to. I, I have buzzwords and buzz terms that it's just I see that and it's a red flag and I know exactly where things are going and, and i know to you know stop reading or take everything with a grain of salt that's right it's like watching chris cuomo you know exactly where things are going on that show it's um it not talking about what's going on in new york state but right that, that's of course not that's of course not he had dr fauci on yesterday that's what made, made, made me think of that that is uh but uh, just kind of uh i don't know that it, it was wild to see all the firestorm over the last week and it's just me trying to figure out what exactly is going on. No, uh, but, exactly. you know, it, it leads to uh, the conversation we were having with Dr. Adalsha. does lead to some good points about, you know, booster shots. And are people going to get a booster shot? I, I really think that's going to be a – and this is one of the dangers. And I think it's a, a tough situation to be in because if you are to – Listen to some of the doctors who are in favor of what was announced yesterday. They kind of point to, listen, this is us just being ahead of the curve, right? This is We put the authorization out there. We say that we're ready in case that we need it. Where, I don't know, I think if you listen to Dr. Adalja, where he's saying that, you know, we're giving boosters to people and there's no evidence that we really need it right now. Uh, or there's shaky evidence from another country that 
it might be needed in the near-term future, uh, that I think that kind of puts a little you know mistrust in people's head. If you're telling people at a time when they don't need it that, okay, you can go get it, I then maybe at the time, and you know, people say no, it's like boy who cried wolf almost, right? right exactly. Then if there is a time when you actually do need it and the benefit is clear to see, your mindset is already in that no, Hello. no, no right. phase, right? Right. You, you, you kept hitting me over the head with it when I was at eight months when all the data, as Dr. Adalja pointed out, all the data still says it's keeping me out of the hospital. It's keeping me, as you said, out of the grave. Um, after eight months, the numbers are still 99% and almost 100%. And I do think most people by now understand that the vaccine is not the vaccine is not going to protect you um, from. That's worded wrong. I, I apologize. You could get a case. You could have an asymptomatic or a mild case. But the vaccine is going to keep you out of the hospital and out of the grave. And you're seeing that eight months, it's still doing that. But the this push now, and that's what's going to happen You know, over the next few months, it's going to be a push to get that third shot. And Brian, I think you're right. That's the danger part of it, because maybe two years down the road, you do need that third shot. Wait a minute. You told me at eight months I needed it, and the, the science said no. Right. I don't believe what you're telling me. So I, I hope they're forthcoming with those numbers of if, yes. if there is that point where you actually you really do need it because the effectiveness of the vaccine wears off in a year in two years you know in whatever that amount of time is I, I hope that we're forthcoming with that information because as of right now you know you hear this eight months like I what it still protects me especially the example I gave to Dr. Dalja. You've gotten the vaccine and you had COVID in the past. And we're still, by the way, not talking about that natural immunity. There's like no ongoing. I mean, there are some ongoing studies, I'm sure. But there's no repeated updates as to, hey, you know, we found still looking good. Or, hey, you know, we found uh, maybe not that good. We're not hearing any of that, which is great, helpful information. All these. What is the incentive for them to go out yet again? Right. And get a booster if it's not unless we are up front with people and saying we're boosting our way out of a mild illness, which was never really the the end goal. If you look at a year and a half ago, it's never going to happen. The professionals keep telling you the medical professionals. But as Dr. Dalja said, um, there are people in positions of power, leadership uh, positions that do believe that we're going to get to zero COVID, and that's just that's not attainable. That's not going to happen. Um, and it's it's kind of sad that those in power still are going toward that goal of one day the chart will say zero COVID cases. That's not realistic. That's a fantasy world. I don't know. I I agree with the person who texted in saying that you know if it's safe to receive a COVID vaccine booster as part of like your yearly flu vaccine, then. There might be a good chance that people would get the booster. Yeah. I, I agree with that. There would yes. be a good chance to, to get that. I've gotten um, since, uh, I think ever since my wife was pregnant. And then, you know, as my son was born, I've gotten the flu shot. Um, you know, just cause that's, I'm, <laughs> as I've said a few times before, that's my worry with having a, a young kid in the household is, you know, the flu, RSV, and, you know, these things where yeah. they are, you know, very seriously impacted by if you have a, a young kid. I, I think that would, you know, have more people say, okay, yeah, you know, the COVID booster in there, whatever. But to tell people, especially, again, at a time where it, your number one priority is to get people who have not gotten any vaccine to get a vaccine, 
to tell people that you're going to need three in the course of one, three shots in the course of one year, and no endpoint in sight. You're not doing, you know, things to enhance people's, uh, you know, confidence in the vaccine that we have right now. When and, that should be the goal. And I'm, I'm not usually the guy that says, you know, ship it to other parts of the world that need it, but. In this uh, situation, when you have variants being formed and in other parts, uh, the variants that are coming here uh, being formed in other parts of the world, maybe get the vaccines there. So these variants that could uh, actually have breakthrough, and by breakthrough, I mean hospitalization cases, um, maybe I and this is <laughs> maybe get the vaccines to those parts of the world. I and maybe this is a a big. You know, we switched from, you know, it was the UK variant. It was the India variant. Well, now, you know, we're too, you know, Delta. politically correct. It's got to be. It's the Amma. It's the Delta. It's the Beta. It's, you know, whatever. Maybe if we were still calling it the India variant, there would be a greater push and better support yep. to say, it sounds like they kind of need these vaccines over there. Exactly. So why don't we share the wealth? And then you hear a new report of, you know, who knows, it's the Honolulu variant. It could be anywhere, but maybe that would happen where, okay, that that sounds serious. What's going on over there? Hey, can we send, do they have enough? You know, can we send that? Can we uh, extend the olive branch over here and do something like that? You know, Delta, the letters of the alphabet, and I hear the constellation is next. They're already planning on the constellations. Uh, You you know, is that really going to... uh, Help us out in that effort to expand those all over the world. I that, with the num- with the numbers we have, that should be the focus. You know, obviously, you do have people who are immunocompromised, who have weakened immune systems. They do need the booster shots, of of course. And, and I'm glad that some of them are getting it. But to now just say, you know, hey, everyone that's had their first two shots, it's time for that third shot. When you have these variants coming from other parts of the world, get the vaccines there. Take care of that, and maybe we won't have these uh, variants that could evade the vaccine coming up. You know, that's always the the next thing, Brian. And like you said, it, it's it's the boy that cried wolf. It's always, hey, this next variant could could evade the vaccine. That's all you hear. Mitch Trubisky is going to start for the Bills on a Saturday. Yeah, there's almost no starters in Chicago. <laughs> um, Zach Moss will play against the Bills. Oh, okay. You know, I, I lightening it up at the end of the show. Don't want people to leave. So is Josh Allen going to? Start on kids' day for the kids. I think Josh Allen should go in fourth. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but I know I, I would hope and kind of imagine that he'll play like a series for the kids. Yeah, in front of the home crowd. Yeah, I was uh, thinking. And by the way, Mitch Trubisky starting against his former team. In you called it the revenge Chicago. game. Mitch Trubisky revenge game. We got to get it. Um, I was thinking about this the other day because uh, we've been getting the kids' day, you know, email from the team and you know head out to the one home preseason game. I would rather go to one of the practices that were held at the stadium than go to a preseason game. Yes. Yeah. Is, I'm, I'm not crazy no. for that? No. I would much rather go to a practice. You see everyone kind of having fun. You do see the starters, right? Yeah. They're on the field for most of the practice. A preseason game, it doesn't mean anything. It's kind of bland. It's kind of a slog, right? Yeah. I mean, there's the, the commercial breaks. There's all the other things that you have to deal with in a normal game, but none of it matters at the end. And then at the end... No one you know is on the field. Right. Whereas, you know, the practice, it's... No one you know. How about no one that's going to be on the roster the first uh, game in September? All right. I'm glad to hear that I'm not totally crazy with that. And, you know, when the practices were in Rochester, I wasn't paying full price for a beer. Unlike a preseason game. Oh, there's another another, uh, plus for you, Joe. There you go. Well, you'll be back here tomorrow? (laughs) 
Uh, as of now. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Beamaz and Beamer on WBEN. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 